while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris will be back tomorrow. Um, but we're joined now by, you know, last night we had um, Sheriff Elect Heroe on, Bristol County Sheriff Elect Heroe. He is one of two sheriffs uh, that had um, won there, uh, had taken a long held Republican seat and flipped it to Democratic hands. The other is uh, Sheriff Elect Donna Buckley from Barnstable County, and she's joining us now. Hey, Sheriff Elect, how are you? Oh, sorry, I had the phone knob down. <laughs> sorry. Hi, Sheriff-elect, how are you? Good. How are you, Marcus? Good. So um, I guess, you know, the let's talk about your your election. You, it was, I, my understanding is you worked for uh, the Barnstable County Sheriff's Office, but it was held by a Republican for a long time, and now it's uh and you had a uh, a race against a long time pretty well liked uh state rep in in Tim Whalen um Cape Cod's also a fairly conservative area of the commonwealth how are you able to uh prevail on election night oh my goodness that is a pat question <laughs> <Yes>. um <laughs> so i came to work at the sheriff's office um in 2018 as the general counsel and that position certainly gave me the opportunity to learn and work in and um, understand you know, all of the aspects of the sheriff's office. Um, interesting time in criminal justice. You know, 2018, the state passed a sweeping criminal justice reform bill, which had a lot to say about the work of sheriffs and the focus of sheriffs and, and sort of conditions of confinement, among other things. Um, so my time at the sheriff's office was during a time when there was a lot of public policy conversation about what sheriffs should be doing. Um, and you write about uh, my opponent. You know, he, it, it was no secret to me when I worked there that, you know, he was planning to run for sheriff when Sheriff Cummings, who this January will have served 24 years, um, decided to retire. Uh, and, I had no plans to run for sheriff, but what I saw once the sheriff announced he was retiring and um, Tim Whalen began his campaign, so to speak, or his, you know, articulating his approach to the office was that it was, it was not consistent, first of all, with what we needed to be doing. And it wasn't consistent with 
the 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 role of the sheriff that the you know I know I know you if you probably talked with Paul um, the voters uh, had a lot of conversation in Bristol and in Barnstable County about what the role of the sheriff is and in one sentence the role of the sheriff is to make sure that when people go back out onto the streets they don't come back right um, and I didn't see that from my opponent I saw a continuation of six more years of the same administration that had been there for 24 years where that wasn't the focus. So my campaign was a voter education campaign. It was having conversations with people in Barnstable County about what the role of the sheriff is and what the priorities of the sheriff's office needed to be in order for all of us to be safe. Because when we put people back out on the street and there is no dispute about the fact that people are coming back out on the street. We're talking about the jail. Uh, if they are not given the tools they need to succeed, they're going to reoffend. They're going to come back. They're going to reencounter police. Uh, there's going to be more victims of crime, and we're going to be wasting tax dollars. So that was our message from day one. We're speaking with. And, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was say we're speaking with uh, Bristol County Sheriff Elect uh, Donna Buckley, who um, uh, who had won, uh, I think, pretty comfortably um, on, no- on during the uh, November eighth election to be the next sheriff of Barnstable County. So, um, uh, Sheriff Elect, uh, you you said that the role of the sheriff is basically to ensure that the people that are being released won't. Um, are less a lot less likely to return than when they got there, right? That um, is a conversation we had over here. It's a broad conversation about recidivism and all of that. Um, what do you think the sheriff's office needs to do to ensure that recidivism rates are dropping, that people who are coming out of the Barnstable County Houses of Correction are less likely to, re, uh, to reoffend? So I, I think an interesting way to think about that is, first of all, we have to keep more data. We, we, we don't have good data. I know they don't have it in Bristol County. We don't have it in Barnstable County. They don't even have it across the state because before I left my job at the sheriff's office, there was still much discussion about what actually is the definition of recidivism. You know, if somebody's arrested and does time in Bristol County Jail and then they find themselves in the Barnstable County Jail, is that a recidivism statistic and who does it go against? Right. Uh, So there's all kinds of nuances there, but we do have to keep data. And the other thing that we have to do is we have to meet people where they're at. Um, Sure, like like in Barnstable, our jails today have become our de facto mental health and addiction treatment centers. 60 to 80 percent of people in the jails are dealing with addiction and mental illness, sometimes both at the same time. And we have to make sure that... that we treat that. You know, I, I talk about the role of the sheriff as correction, rehabilitation, and treatment. We can, if we release someone back to the street with an untreated drug addiction or untreated mental health, they don't have any other options. So we have them 24-7. We can use that time to begin both inside the jail to address addiction, mental illness, job training, life skills, um, you know, the whole gambit of things that people need to work on. And also create those that continuum of services where we can connect with outside partners 
who can begin working as well while people are incarcerated. So that when someone walks out the front door, when they're released, maybe they already know which AA meeting they're going to go to, or they know who their medical provider is going to be. They may have a job. They know where they're going to live, or they know which treatment facility they're going to go to. Those are the kinds of things that help prevent recidivism when you put that support, those supports in place incrementally, you know, over a period of time. Um, and don't leave it up solely to the person who's being released. And don't, it's not a one-shot deal. So, um, there's a, a lot that was, that, that is often said about the sort of the law enforcement role of the sheriff, whether or not the sheriff is a law enforcement officer. I know there's, you know, limited to no chapter 90 powers. In your opinion, what is the law enforcement role, if any, of the, of the, uh, of the county sheriff? And is it, is that going to be a change from where it was uh, under the previous administration? So I can, I can speak about the experience in Barnstable. Um, first of all, we have to understand historically that you know, 200, 300, 400 years ago, sheriffs were law enforcement officers because we didn't have municipal police departments. Right. And, but over time, you know, first of all, the land in Massachusetts is incorporated. Every city or town has its own police department. Yeah. You know, in Barnstable, every town has its own police department. So that, that law enforcement notion of the sheriff as the chief law enforcement officer of a county it has become more of a, a, a ceremonial description as opposed to an actual description. Because in reality, they don't do the law enforcement. And statutorily, they don't do the law enforcement. It's, it's just a carryover. But there, there is a, a measure of law enforcement in the job. I mean, we, we, we still have the concept of sheriff under the law enforcement umbrella. And deputy sheriffs, I know there's some, you know, discussion going back and forth with the post committee about actually what sort of police powers deputy sheriffs will continue to have under the new police reform legislation. But so there is some ability, I believe, right now for deputy sheriffs to perform police functions, misdemeanors, breaches of the peace that are that, that they witness. So it's it's sort of a right-sizing of the law enforcement component. It is not the primary function, um, and it can't come at the expense of the primary function, which is correction, rehabilitation, and treatment. And in Barnstable County, one of the interesting issues in, in the election here is that my opponent was proposing to actually expand the law enforcement face of the the sheriff's office and create a patrol division where sheriff's deputies would be go through the police academy become certified police officers but not work in any town they would just sort of be patrolling just sort of do beats in whatever area of cape cod that they decide to do um yes. patrolling and, in you know that's interesting yeah, that, was, that was not welcomed by the towns I mean, think about it, you know, in your town that you live in, you know, your select board or your, your governing body hires your police chief, and they set the tone and the priorities and the expectations right. sure. of law enforcement in a particular town. I mean, a sheriff's employee who, who comes in out of nowhere, essentially, unfamiliar 
with with that dynamic. Yeah, I mean, th- that that's a recipe for for trouble, and it's unnecessary because we pay our police to be the professional face of public facing law enforcement. Um, we at the sheriff's office can support that, maybe with canines, you know, with. Uh, help on a tactical team with equipment, with a Bureau of Criminal Investigations, with an emergency communication center, you know, with with some of those ancillary services that can complement but don't duplicate the work of municipal police. So um, what about immigration enforcement? Uh, here there was a 287G contract that the Biden administration had canceled. Um, I'm not sure if there was one in Barnstable County. I think there's one in Plymouth County. Uh, there's a lot. To, there's a lot of discussion about that nationally. There's some discussion about that locally. Uh, is there a 287G agreement with ICE in, in Barnstable County? Uh, would you, if not, would you be seeking one? What's the role of the sheriff in immigration enforcement or custody of immigrant detainees, if any? Great question. Actually, the 287G agreement was one of the pivotal issues in this campaign. Um, Barnstable County, as of the day, the time I got into the uh, into the election back last March, this past March, Barnstable County was the only county in New England that still had an active 287G agreement with with ICE. Um, Plymouth, Plymouth had already withdrawn its agreement, and Bristol's um, had been canceled um, by the president. So Barnstable was the only one left standing. And right out of the gate, I brought to the campaign the fact that this we don't need this agreement. I'm not going to continue this agreement if elected. Um, and my opponent supported it and wanted to continue it. So are you looking to sever the agreement, the 287? I mean, you got elected on it, so I'm guessing once you get sworn in, you're looking to end that relationship with, um, with the Department of Homeland Security? It literally, like, first thing I do, <laughs> um, you know, that, and that was my, my, you know, I had, there was a lot of conversation about this over the campaign. Uh, it, it, the 287G agreement in Barnstable County became a ideologic conversation. Sure. It had really nothing to do with public safety. It yeah. was, um, and it was, it was detrimental to our community. Right. Um, so, it, it, we need to move away from it, and I think um, that and the fact that the question four passed the immigrant driver's license, I think we can now start to to write that attitude. And then we all agree there isn't any a soul on the earth who doesn't agree that we need to deal with immigration reform, sure. and we need to fix a really broken system. But the two eighty seven G agreements and you know preventing people from getting driver's license is not the way we're going to do it. So, um, what, uh, are there going to be any major personnel changes that you're going to make, uh, when you get, um, uh, upon you getting sworn in in early January? One of the, the, the things I kept repeating during the campaign was that the staff, you know, we talk about the inmates needing the tools they need to succeed when they're released. We also need to support our staff because it is an, a very difficult but important job that we ask them to do. So, you know, from, from the staff perspective, my, my goal is to bring in professional development and training 
So nobody wants to ever hear those words again, (laughs) because that to me is what helps people do their job. Uh, From from the administrative point of view, I'm working now to to put put a team together um, that will be committed to the mission that I was elected to, to, to carry out, which is to reprioritize the activities at the sheriff's office so that we can deal with correction, rehabilitation and treatment. So I'm, I'm working to do that. And then one of the other pieces of my campaign and my message is that inmate services needs to be an executive level position. It needs to be as important at the jail as safety and security. Uh, you know, I used to describe it as we have to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to do both. We have to keep the inmates safe and the staff safe. But we also have to do the work that we need to do so that when we release the inmates, they don't come back. Um, so I'm looking to to fill, you know, to 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 describe that, you know, put a put a position together, and and post it, you know, and see what sort of you know interest is out there, um, and add that to the executive level, and then Barnstable is probably unique in the sense that there are people already who are retiring from the executive level, so it. Did they submit their retirement papers on November 9th? No, no, these are people who are planning to retire (laughs) before. (laughs) No, no, these are people I worked with. I mean, I I have to say that, you know, by and large, you know, the people at the sheriff's office, it was one of the best jobs I ever had. Sure. Um, It it just needed a reset. From my perspective, the reason I got into this race is we needed to prioritize what we were doing. And I don't know if you, you know, if it crept over to... Bristol County, but one of the faces of that dynamic of, you know, the priorities of the sheriff's office became the sheriff's boat. Oh, you know, there was something that was kind of talked about here. There was speculation on whether or not there was a a boat, but is there a boat in Barnstable County, a sheriff's uh, department boat? Yes. You know, and that became a face of sort of like, why are we spending money on a boat when we should be, you know, and we're not spending enough money on mental health? Well, to, to that, to that, to that end, actually, this um, there was a case in Truro of uh, Adam Howe, who was brought over to Ash Street Jail down here in New Bedford, and he was held. Um, he later committed suicide. There has been a broader conversation about you know whether or not the sheriff's office over here is doing enough about suicide. But I guess the question I have is why you know why is New Bedford and I know this isn't under your tenure, obviously, you haven't been sworn in yet, but why is New Bedford holding people from Barnstable County? And is, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, care, custody, control of people suffering those types of um, situations in Barnstable County, is that going to be a priority of yours? Um, Because it didn't make a lot of sense to me. That guy's in Truro, and he's coming down to New Bedford to be held. You know what? That's a great question. I don't have the the information. I don't want, and I don't want to speculate. I know what was in the newspaper, um, yeah. but I don't have any additional information, so I can't answer that question. Sure. But looking forward, in taking people, unless, unless there's a security risk, you know, unless there's some compelling reason why they can't be housed in Barnstable County, you know, Barnstable County should be dealing with Barnstable County. Yeah. And Bristol County should be dealing with Bristol County. Right. Uh, I, I think every every per- thinking person who's you know who's listening to that set of facts and listening to 
you know, there were there were actually two suicides in Barnstable County in August. Right. Um, and and the, the the news reports talked about the fact that they were cleared by mental health. Right. You know, and and that to me is a head scratcher. You know, that that means to me that there's that that we need to rethink what we're doing with mental health. So uh, Barnstable County Sheriff-elect uh, Donna Buckley, I, I appreciate you joining me this uh, this evening. I look forward to talking with you more as um, as the uh, as your tenure uh, as as Barnstable County Sheriff continues. Well, I would welcome that opportunity. Um, give me a chance to sort of get my feet underneath me, and then we can talk about sort of you know what it looks like as we start our um, our term. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you. Have a great evening. You as well. That was Bristol County Sheriff-elect, I mean, Barnesville County Sheriff-elect Donna Buckley, um, finding a lot of parallels in these sheriff races uh, between um, Bristol uh, Bristol and Barnstable. It seems like very similar platform, uh, very similar platforms and approaches to corrections on both sides of the, uh, you know, on, on, uh, for the, the Democrats and the Republicans in each of these races. And, um, I thought it was an interesting conversation. So 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. We've got Leon Corey coming in, uh, later. He's the Fairhaven Select Board Vice Chair. There was a lot, you know, when the elections were going on. Chris and I obviously were covering everything about the elections, the sheriff elections, the state rep elections, the state elections, the midterms, all of that. So we were covering all of that and you know we wanted to get into the more like hyper local stuff and we had we had some requests hey talk about Fairhaven stuff talk about Dartmouth stuff and, and we're going to do all that um we have Leon Corey in at eight o'clock if you want to ask Leon a question you can um and if you uh, either uh via phone or via the WBSM app chat uh, we're going to be talking about some Fairhaven stuff but uh 508-996-0500 before I take a break let's go to the phones good evening Guess not. All right, I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back. Night. I'm Marcus. Chris is actually going to be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, while we're at it, um, tomorrow is the we're going to have two candidates in for Ward Three that are running for the Ward Three City Council race. Now we had Sean Oliver yesterday, and you can check out his column on WBSM.com that I wrote about his interview and about his general campaigning and the you know, sort of the everyman perspective that he provides. It's a good column. Not, yeah. I mean, I wrote it, but I think it's a good column. I think I write good columns. So uh, maybe you do too. Maybe you don't. That's fine. Um, but uh, but I think it's a good column. And there's another column up about uh, Sheriff-elect Haro's, um interview here last night, which I thought was really interesting, him talking about, you know, what his plans were, and what his plans weren't, right, when he takes over, I think put a lot of people at ease that, um, you know, work for the Bristol County Sheriff's Office to know that they still have a position there if need, you know, if uh, if they want it and um, that he's not going to go in and basically uproot everything immediately. So um, it was, you know, you can check that out at WBSM.com as well. But tomorrow we have... At 7, uh, we have Robert Cabral. He's going to be joining Chris and I in studio and talking about his... Um, he's going to be joining Chris and I in studio and talking about his uh, his um, his run, his campaign. He's a, a businessman and uh, was um, in the Massachusetts Army uh, National Guard. 
So we'll talk to him about his campaign. Um, and then at 8 o'clock, Robert Bromley, who actually, well, both of them actually made their announcements here. I, I, I told them, um, you know, the opportunity that Chris and I wanted to give everybody is that they can make their announcement, uh, like a brief, like, five-ish minute announcement uh, here on South Coast Tonight you know, if you want to call in and then we'll have you in for a longer form studio interview. And so Robert Bromley took that opportunity to make his formal announcement on South Coast tonight. I know he's a press release out, um, you know, elaborating on that more. Uh, and Robert Cabral uh, made his announcement on South Coast tonight as well. And they'll both be in studio. Robert Cabral at 7, um, uh, Bob Bromley at 8 o'clock. Uh, at eight o'clock, a lot of people do uh, know Bob Bromley already. He works at the. He works. He's affiliated with the uh, Fort Tabor, Fort Robin Military Museum. Uh, organizes the Veterans Day Parade. Longtime member of the Veterans Advisory Board. Um, works at the Rhode Island uh, Rhode Island State Senate. I think worked for the New Bedford uh, Office of Housing and Community Development as well. So. And then we had Jake Ventura on before. Uh, I know he's he's pulled. I'm pretty sure he's pulled papers and he's he's out there, you know, getting the signatures. Speaking of that, if you are interested, if you are listening and you're thinking about running um, or if you just want to know what the dates are, there was a press release earlier today from Mayor Mitchell's office. Uh, about this um, campaign, the uh, about this uh, election, Tuesday, January 24th, obviously is the preliminary. Um, and so these are the dates. These are the dates for Ward th- the Ward Three special election. December papers are already available. If you want to go to the city council, if you want to go to the city elections office, you pull the papers. Um, you get to sign them out. So people, I'm going to know. Right, we're going to know if you pull those papers because because uh, you have to sign them out. Um, but uh. December 6th is the last day to submit nomination papers. You need at least 50 signatures, which means you really need like 75, right? Maybe more, maybe 100, right? You really need like 75, and you should submit them earlier because if the signatures don't all get verified, you'll need more. It's not enough to just get the signatures. They have to be by Ward 3 residents, obviously, but they have to be verified by the elections office. So um, six p six uh, six uh, December sixth is the last day. I think that's next Tuesday. Is that next Tuesday? Yeah, that's next Tuesday. So a week from today, you want to pull papers tomorrow. You have a you have exactly one week to hit the doors and get those signatures. Get fifty more. You really need. Like I said, I would say 60, 75 to be safe. If you get 75, you're probably in pretty good shape. But you need, you have about seven days. You have exactly seven days from now. So it'll be six days from tomorrow to get those uh, signature papers, to get those nomination papers in with the signatures, with the 50 signatures from residents of the ward. December 20th is the last day and hour to officially. Uh, so December 20th at five o'clock is the last day to accept nomination, um, accept the nomination. So what that means is you, I think you got to go in and you got to sign a little card basically. Um, so once you get on the ballot, you're nominated, then you got to go in, sign a little card that says you accept the nomination. You're going to be in person to sign it. If you're, um, and December 22nd 
is the last day to file withdrawals or uh, objections to the nomination at 5 p.m. Now, if you'll remember, uh, a couple years ago, now, so that's if you decide if you're going to, you know, if you're going to not, you, you pull papers, you get the signatures, you accept the nomination, and you're like, actually, I can't, right? So what you do is you... Go there, you formally withdraw your nomination papers. If you'll remember when Brian Gomes had pulled papers for at-large and mayor back in 2019, and he submitted both papers, he was going to the office to formally withdraw his mayoral nomination papers. And he went in, the media was there, he gave a speech discussing, you know, basically why he was and all of this. And then he had missed uh, it. His speech went beyond the five o'clock deadline. And so someone was basically like, hey, it's 5 p.m. Welcome to the mayor's race. And the deadline had passed. And so he was nominated for mayor, which, you know, kind of worked out. He got to do a little dry run for for uh, for mayor. But December 22nd, if you want to just remember that story, it was it was it was in, it was amusing back then. Uh, and. You know, if I were him, I I would have probably done the same thing. Just do a little dry run for mayor. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we'll see. You know, get the numbers on election day. It's basically like a free run, free run to see if you have the numbers. And if you don't, then you you know, then you pull out. If not, you know, it seemed like a good strategy. So, um, so that's the last day to file withdrawals. January seventeenth is the last day to apply for. Uh, oh, January 13th is the last day to register to vote for the preliminary election. January uh, 17th is the last day, to uh, an hour to apply for a mail-in or absentee preliminary ballot. So if you want to do mail-in voting, you can in this election. You just got to, uh, you know, for the preliminary, you know, request it by January 17th. January 21st is the last day of absentee voting. Oh, was, um, what is it? January 21st, noon Saturday, absentee voting. So I'm assuming that's an early voting opportunity. And January 23rd, last day and hour to apply for an in-person absentee primary, uh, preliminary ballot. January 24th is the preliminary election. Uh, you know, polls close at 8, go vote. And... If you want to do a recount, depending on how close it is, January 31st would be the last day you uh, do that. Um, February 21st, last day to apply for it. Well, let's just stick with those dates for now. But February, you know, not get into this whole thing. But February 28th is general election. January 24th is the preliminary election. Just You can pull papers now and you have them until December 6th to turn them in. And then you get to go in, you get to sign a card saying basically that you accept your nomination. So those are all the important dates in the Ward 3 special election. It's going to be a very crowded field, and we'll be covering it uh, from end to end here on South Coast Night here at WBSM. And again, we've got two candidates for Ward 3 that will be in tomorrow. Uh, So Robert Bromley and uh, Robert Cabral. So it's uh, Bromley will be in at 8, Cabral will be uh, in at 7. So Chris and I will definitely be looking forward to talking with them about the issues that they uh, think are important. I think a lot of the conversation is going to be surrounding, honestly, the advanced manufacturing campus, right? So uh, I'm going to take a break, and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Open wide. Feeling. 
Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. The strength of America, our values, our way of life hasn't just been won on the battlefield. It's won every day in our communities when we come together, extending hands of compassion, service, and hope to those who need it most. For over 100 years, the American Legion has been strengthening communities across our nation by providing life-saving help and support to our veterans and neighbors during times like we're facing today. It's what the Legion's all about. From blood drives to distributing food, from responding to emergencies and protecting the most vulnerable among us, our mission is making America's community stronger. We are one family, and therefore, we care. We are the American Legion, veterans strengthening America. To learn how you can help, visit legion.org. Have your voice heard right now on South Coast Tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. Hey, just Marcus tonight. Chris will be back tomorrow. Again, we've got two candidates running in the Ward 3 City Council race to, uh, to replace Hugh Dunn. Um, so that'll be really interesting. Uh, it's going to be a really crowded field based on everything we've been hearing, people that have declared, people that have been thinking about declaring. Um, so it's going to be a, a crowded race. We're going to definitely have a debate here, uh, probably a general election debate. I don't think we can have a preliminary debate. Too many people, too many cooks in the kitchen, as they say. So when the field gets winnowed down to two candidates, like we did uh, in Ward 3 before the slot was even invented, right? Taylor Cormier came in here. Uh, and had a debate with um, Hugh Dunn and Beth Photo. Um, so we're going to do that. Now we have a dedicated slot. Chris and I will do it. I think uh, Jack Spillane is going to be helping uh, us as well. He's going to be joining us, uh, joining us on that of the New Bedford Light. So um, we'll be doing that in the, uh, in the general election, which will be in February. So just around the corner. Um, uh, we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. Uh, we're taking your app chat messages. Got an app chat message here. This is great show. Uh, you know, test their smoke alarms once a month, uh, change their batteries once, once a year. Great show as usual. Uh, oh, this is from, uh, this is from, uh, Anthony Puente. That was a good segment we had, uh, with, with, um, with Anthony Puente, the firefighter at New Bedford uh, Fire De- uh, at the New Bedford Fire Department, um, so he's saying, remind everybody to test their smoke alarms once a month and change their batteries once a year. Uh, great show as usual. Oh, he's talking to Barry. He's not talking to me. He's talking to Barry. That's okay. I'm going to pretend he's talking to me too. So uh, hey, and there's another one. Um, uh, 
Not the other Dan from New Bedford says he's been hearing all kinds of good stuff from the locals. Uh, good luck with everything. You guys are awesome. Talking about Chris and me. Uh, this is during the time slot, so it was about Chris and me. Dan, I not the other Dan. I really appreciate your cl- kind words, and I appreciate your listenership. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for messaging us on the WBSM app chat. There's so many ways to engage with the content here at WBSM. So we got Leon Corey, Fairhaven Selectman. Uh, he's going to be in at 8 o'clock. We're going to talk to him. If you've got questions, if you've got things you want to ask him, you can go ahead and message on the WBSM app chat, or you can give us a call. Uh, we'll be having a fun conversation here. Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on. I'm going to take another break, and we'll be right back. If you want to hear everything before we end the hour, good evening. You're live. How you, how you doing, Marcus? Hey, I'll Tom. be real quick sure. with a World Cup update. How's that? Absolutely. Yeah, USA wins one nothing. I saw. That's and, great. Uh, they advance to the knockout round, and they will draw the Netherlands, which has a great team. Uh, and on the same uh, category in their group, England is going to draw Senegal. I think England's going to be in trouble with Senegal. I think Senegal's going to be the surprise of the tournament. But in the course of our win, Pulisic, our star player, uh, caught a knee. Uh, he, he sacrificed his body and he caught a knee, and we used to call that the New Year's Eve injury because you got to wait for the ball to drop. <laughs> right. you know, as funny as that is, it's very dangerous, yeah. and hopefully he's, he's going to come out of it okay and in time for Saturday's game. The other piece, and if I'm repeating myself, please tell me, uh, the Qatar Nation uh, put together a stadium. It's called 973, I think it is. Yeah. And that's how many uh, uh, trailer trucks it's going to take to dismantle and deliver that stadium to. They haven't told us yet, but I'm of the opinion that it's going to go to the Federation of uh, Jewish Football Association and the Palestinian Football Association, and they're going to plant it if it's allowed in between the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. Are you kidding? That, yep, that, 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 that could part. I'm guessing. That will be uh, a big thing. You ain't kidding. <laughs> and uh, all they got to do is run it up uh, to uh, uh, the, the uh, Arabian Sea yeah. and, and to Sinai and then into uh, the Gaza Strip. Wow. Now, if that occurs, what can happen is football and uh, soccer, as we call it, in that part of the world, you, you got teams, you know, professional guys, that don't get that opportunity to participate in places like Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. Uh, and the, the Israel games are, are, are very difficult uh, because of, of Hamas and all that. Yeah. But those agreements can be struck. 